Rick, you're giving a talk on portfolio management in an agile world. That's right. 1045. That's right. So can you talk a little bit about what this session is going to be about? Yeah, so, so it's interesting when we do portfolio management in, in most organizations, it tends to come out of the waterfall world, right. very project-oriented, year-long planning, things like that. And so from an agile perspective, we're doing things more iterative and more responsive. So how do you change portfolio management to better work in that world? Okay. So there's just some fundamental things that we'll talk about. Um, we'll talk about kind of lean flow, the types of things we pay attention to. How do we think about road mapping? How do we think about capacity management? Because we've okay. all seen, you know, world where people have spreadsheets full of people's names and when they're going to work and when they're not the going to work. Yeah, yeah, they're resources, right? <laughs> um, cogs in a machine. Exactly. Um, but when we move to more of an agile team-based plan, how do, how do we deal with capacity and how do you manage that demand over that capacity? Okay. And so we'll talk about some techniques in, in that space as well. So is this focused more at like senior leadership level or PMO level? or? Um, I think all of that would, would benefit. Okay. Uh, it's not an advanced thing. It's, it's pretty much just taking a look at portfolio management the def definition of it, as most of us know in the past, and then how do we change portfolio management for, for an agile organization. Okay. Are there For the folks that, that aren't able to attend, are there like a, a tip or two you could offer? Yeah. So so one of the things, it, it's predicated by the fact that we're going to create teams that stay together. Okay. Uh, making sure we have clarity in the backlog for our teams, and then them being able to demonstrate working to of software. Okay. And so once we've done that, for me, there's, there's a governance model that flows across the organization. Okay. And that governance model really ties into our portfolio management function. And governance is about how do we make sure that the organization is behaving in a way right. and making good decisions so that we can create that clarity for the backlog for our teams. And that's all tied back to the company strategy and everything that's else. Right. That's right, that's right. Yeah, typically you would see a, a strategy tier that this is where we're headed as a company. We want to make sure that the portfolio tier, we're considering those things that can actually move the needle on our initiatives as a company. Okay. And we want to vet that. We want to make sure that we have a business case, okay. uh, a lightweight business case, not some deep thing we're going to spend months on, but something we're going to spend a, maybe a few days. Before yeah. we start the app. That's right, that's right. So do you think there's a way to tie work that the teams would be taking on down at that level, like the sprint level, let's say, back to, through the governance model, back to strategy? Is there a way to draw like a line? Absolutely. I think it's important for, so a lot of organizations we walk into, you'll see teams that are, they have a backlog, they're yeah. working every single day, but they really don't understand how that's affecting their company, goals as yeah. a company. And so one of the things we want to make sure at the portfolio tier is we have a really clear understanding of the problem we're trying to solve okay. and make sure we can communicate that down through the organization. Because we want to tap into that knowledge and the skill that we've hired for yeah. our delivery teams to help us solve that problem. So I would say that at a team level you need to understand the vision of the product that you're working on. Do you think it's the same for the whole company? I think like so. The mission. Yeah, okay. yeah. It creates alignment. It's that guiding light that helps yeah. us all understand what we're doing every single day to, to advance the needs of our company. Cool. I have I have a friend who I was interviewing her about a week ago, and she spent months working on the new company mission statement. Yeah. And the whole company was involved in creating it, and she's been quizzing everyone to make sure they actually they understand it. it. They know it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Now let's get into the hard stuff. I don't know about that. <laughs> so Paul is giving a talk on Tuesday at 345, avoiding the pitfalls of capitalizing software in an agile world. So I think this is awesome that you're doing this. And I'm excited about the fact that you're doing it. Because this, to me, is one of the stumbling blocks that a lot of people bang into that you may or may not feel is a stumbling block. But accounting just screws everything up. Maybe Agile screws everything up well, because well, if you're doing the big long thing, yeah. now you got to change it all. Right. So the, the talks were about folks that are moving from a waterfall environment, and we've been doing accounting for over 30 years. Right. right? So there's a certain way, actually, 
back when in 1998 when the original accounting guidance got set up it was based on waterfall they went yeah. on to industry and said we're going to line up our accounting model to how people are doing uh, in the industry and just doing software development okay so they built the two to kind of line up because that's who they reached out in the industry the experts right and so people are so used to that this is how we capitalize software environment now we're moving to an agile what happens you know, do you, are you allowed to because of the continual iteration, yeah. we're working on our software. That means there's so much churn, am I supposed to expense all these costs? And so it just kind of walks folks, uh, the comp folks, go, you can capitalize software in an agile environment. Okay. There are some things you have to kind of look out for. There's a couple pitfalls you want to make sure you don't kind of step into, and that's what we'll be talking about tomorrow. So what's one? Can you name one of the pitfalls? Um, one, one of the things, you know, one of them is, is uh, there's a difference in a, like a scrum master. Okay. Right? So there's uh, Scrum people in some organizations see the Scrum Master as a purely administration role. Okay. So and GNA costs are, are expensed, but if you see them, it truly is you know moving down roadblocks. They're inherent to the overall software development team because they make sure that the team can get work done and not be avoided. That that's really an inherent role to that team. I'm going to capitalize some of those costs. Okay. And so you have to make sure your finance and account your finance and accounting guys are, are in line with that because some companies say yes and some companies say no. So there's no like rule about this? No, it's, it's interpretation. So it's not a black and white test. So that's part of it is how do you interpret the rules? But those are kind of things is you don't want to make an assumption in one without you know, going down there and thinking it's going to happen or not. Okay. And if you have a whole bunch of scrum masters and it's a material cost, you want to get your external auditors to sign off on that. So how deep do you have to be knowledgeable about accounting practices to be able to get this? Like I'm, I'm accounting challenged. Right. I believe, from my perspective, it's a pretty high level. It's, it's okay. kind of like a 101 kind of course okay. uh, to tomorrow, the talk. So I don't think it's, it's really people that are getting introduced. Um, as we talk to our clients, you know, we talk, you know, hey, what's going on on the accounting side? And so I'm brought in in some of those conversations okay. to kind of alleviate their fears and kind of, you know, put the calm down there. All right. And there's guidance to kind of point out that it, it works. Okay. So I want to ask both of you guys a question. So you as somebody with an accounting background, you as, as coaching. Um, Two questions. The first one, I get a lot of people in the classes who their company's trying to transition and they're very accustomed to at the company the annual planning. And I say, Well, when I used to go into a company, I'd walk up to whoever was in charge of accounting and say, Well, I don't I don't want a year's worth of money, I only want three months. And we don't do that. Is that a reasonable conversation? How do you how do you talk somebody on the accounting side into funding the beginning of a pilot or something like that if they're used to very traditional practices? So, so one of the things that we look at and we'll talk about tomorrow is this rolling way planning. Okay. And so, so we work with a lot of clients and, and their organizations are set up where they have to do the annual planning process. That's right. just part of their, they're not going to change that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so we want to make sure we can support it. Uh, but it's interesting, when we, when we go into organizations that do this, um, I often ask this question, well, let me ask you a question about last year's plan. When, when you ended the year, what did you create compared to what you thought you were going to do? And it's almost never the same, yeah. right? Because they're they're adaptive. They're they're truly operating in a more incremental and adaptive fashion, but their planning process has not met that yet. Okay. And so what we want to do is still do the road mapping, but we do it incrementally. So we revisit that road map all the time. So okay. by the time you get to this annual planning, you're done. So right? you're still doing the whole year-long thing, but you're just updating it yeah, all yeah. throughout. That's okay. right. That's right. All right. That's and right. from a finance perspective, you only have so much money. You know, there's only so much money you can allocate, right? There's resources required throughout an entire organization. Right. Sales, marketing. Um, operations, so they're going to say there's so much you're going to have for your, your technology group. Right. And so here's their pot of money, and so what are the ultimate solutions do you want to accomplish this year from that rolling plan? Yeah. Okay. And so you set the money up front, and everyone says this is the, what you're able, the resources you can use, and go and go d define that. Okay. I, I changed my mind. I have two more questions. 
Well, I was going to add to that is that, you know, because the, the way we want to look at the world is that you're funding capacity. Okay, this and, is where and I'm making sure the organization is making the best decisions on how to use that capacity so based upon your strategy. Project, yeah, right. Funding that's right. Team. That's right. So we're so going to have these guys working or people working. Funding yes. product or capability. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I, I worked with a client one time as a financial institution, and uh, they were getting close to the end of the year, and we were doing some planning for the next year, and they said, "Well, we just can't do any planning because we don't know what, what our funding is." Yeah. And, and I asked, I asked the question. I said, "Let me ask you something. This is an important platform for you guys. Have you ever seen?" A year where you didn't get funding at least for some number of teams. Yeah. And let's know that's never happened. Well, that's that's good enough for us to do some planning, right? <laughs> okay. But that does that may violate their gating process. It could. Or whatever. It could. It could. Okay. But the start so, with but to come with a zero number makes no sense. You're not going right. to fire everybody that's come right. January that's first. Right. Hopefully not. Right. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not. You got, although I guess you got another problem. <laughs> that's that's not the intent. So to Rick's point is there's going to be some money there. Okay. So don't don't just go in and say there's a black box. I know nothing. Okay. You know, there's a pot of money there. Go make some plans. You can at least go out to your first quarter. You know what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So that's the point. So a lot of places that I've been, when they do the budgeting and it gets towards the end of the year, there's this rush to like, we have to spend all the money or we're not going to get it next year. Use it or lose it. Right. And, and my assumption would be that with this way of working, you've got more transparency, you can see more of what you're getting. It's going to be harder to burn through that really quick, but is this going to lead, do you think it should lead to more responsible planning? Like, do, We don't have to burn through all of it, we're just going to spend what we have to spend. I mean, are we going to get more mature about how we're budgeting and dealing with things at the end of the year from a cost perspective. I think it can cut both ways, actually. So some, okay. some organizations do feel like, well, you didn't need it last year, so why do you need it now? Right. So there's some interesting conversations because, I've, well, I've already allocated that to this other group. You didn't use your money. So there's some people that believe you have to kind of keep that quote-unquote run rate to make yeah. sure you get that level of investing. So I think that behavior could cut either way, and it just depends on the organization and, and the culture within each company. I don't think there's a one way you can solve that problem. Do you think that, that as an accountant, that that's a healthy practice for an organization? It's not. You would you'd okay. hopefully say, is what's the best dollars we should use for the entire organization? Right. So should that's it be within right. technology? Should it yep. be for sales and marketing? And having adults at the table making those decisions as a group, and that's really the executive team. But we all kind of know as people says, this is what I got, and I don't want to lose it. Yeah, in my pot. And so give my pot. And yeah. so nobody wants to say, well, take mine away, because if you, I may never get it back. But that would be the responsible thing. We don't need this. We, we're doing fine. You can take, take, take it, it somewhere but, else. But as long as there's understanding that if I, something comes up, can I have that money back, or can we make it somewhere else be able? And that's where an organization really needs to have to be shared and collaborate entirely. Okay. And do that very transparently, transparently okay. as you said. And does that feed back up into the governance? Of the Absolutely. Yeah. So I did that right back in your... Well, well, yeah, yeah, good job, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's about making the right decisions. We have this capacity, and if, we, if we've allocated capacity over here for something, but we realize there's market opportunities somewhere else, okay. why not shift that allocation over to this other area that has a better impact on the company? Okay. And, and I think portfolio management with, again, it, it gets back to making sure we have clear business case for the things that we're working on. It doesn't become like a bill in Congress where we're just throwing everything yeah. on it. It's very specific and focused on solving some problem or some market opportunity. Okay. And just make sure we do that. All right. So, so another question, last question for both of you. For somebody who's working in accounting, whose company is trying to implement Agile, if they're trying to get their head around how this is going to work and how it's going to impact them, like what advice would you guys offer to somebody who's watching that's trying to figure that out? 
Uh, I would say be open. Um, you know, we've worked in organizations where we, we, we couldn't necessarily change some of those processes immediately yeah. uh, because there's an element of trust. We have to show that this new iterative approach works. Right. And as we start to get that trust, people start to get more comfortable with changing some of those upstream processes. Okay. And sometimes you just have to have an impedance mismatch between those two until you get that level of trust. Okay. I think in the counting, it's, you know, there are certain rules, and some of the rules are black and white, but there's, there's some, some gray areas. And so you have to be adaptable and kind of trans move things around a bit. That sounds yeah. a little shady. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like an interpretation of the Scrum Master, right? Okay. Just like the Scrum Master. Yeah. I mean, some people took an interpretation this way. It's an, administration role, an administrative role. And others say, no, they're inherently involved in the software mm -hmm. development process. Okay. And so two organizations may, may view it two totally differently. Okay. And the value that they get from it. Cool. All right, well, thank you guys very much. I sure, appreciate this. So, make sure to chat. I'm going to unfold my paper so I can remind you what time these <laughs> sessions are. I shouldn't have folded up. So, Rick is speaking tomorrow, Tuesday morning, 1045. That's Portfolio Management in an Agile World. Paul is tomorrow at 345, avoiding the pitfalls of capitalizing software in an Agile World. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. All right, thank the you. Rest thank of the you. Week. All right. Thanks for watching.